You're listening to Penny Dreadfuls from the Moth Sanctuary. The setting sun coloured the sky in blazing shades of red and orange, with a bruised purple and navy blue patch slowly growing as it fell lower in the sky. Bats were already scattering around the trees eagerly. Night was closing in fast. The man in the white suit had been here before, and knew the risk of walking along the narrow dirt stretches of road found in this region of the Carpathians. Wolves around here were known to stalk and devour lonely travelers, staining the thirsty ground with the only moisture it had felt in days. Blood. He was glad he had been able to persuade the carriage driver to take him to his destination, despite the man's initial apprehension. You wish to go to the village up the mountain? The driver had asked, with saucer-wide eyes when they first met. Yes, I have an appointment there, was the white-suited man's reply. But sir, do you know what time of year it is? And it'll be dark soon. The man in the white suit was not moved by the driver's concerns. I'm quite aware of when it is, my man, as that's how I know I have an appointment to keep. As for the dark, if we spent this time getting underway, instead of engaging in this tedious debate, we would have a better chance of arriving while the daylight is still here, and of my meeting my appointment. It took the man in white a few more minutes of cajoling, and finally bargaining, before the driver relented, though his agitation did not subside for the duration of their journey, and the horses were forced to maintain a quicker pace than normal. They crossed the boundaries of the village with minutes still to spare before nightfall, and the man in white shook his head thinking of all the fuss the driver had made, delaying their departure time when he had nothing to worry about at all. They had arrived safely and outrun the darkness. As the coach passed through the streets of the village, the man saw that they were deserted. There wasn't a trace of movement or light in any of the houses. Eventually, they came to a stop outside of a tavern. The man opened his door and could see there were boards across the windows on the inside. But through the gaps, he could make out lights from candles and a fire within. Suddenly, a small viewing panel in the front door slid open, revealing a set of fierce brown eyes. Damn it, Bella! The voice behind the eyes cried, What on earth are you doing here, you fool? The driver threw up his hands. The man asked me to bring him here. The woman behind the door blinked hard. Tonight of all nights, she said incredulously. Turn around and take this idiot and yourself out of here. Tell him to come back another time. I can't do that, the man in white said in perfect Hungarian and stepped out of the coach so he couldn't be whisked away suddenly. He says he can't do that, the driver relayed. 
Yes, I heard him, you old goat. The eyes backed away from the peephole, and there was the sound of several voices consulting with one another. Well, what are you waiting for? Get him unloaded and be on your way home, quickly. You can't be out and about after dark. The driver jumped up and rapidly passed the man's two cases down to him. Before the man could so much as thank him, the driver was already back in his seat and ordering the horses on, leaving the man standing by the side of the road, watching the carriage hurry away. Behind him, there came the sound of clattering, as several locks on the great door latched, and the door opened a crack. Don't just stand there, the woman hissed. Quickly, get inside. The man picked up his cases, and did as he was told. The instant he was across the threshold, the door was closed firmly behind him, and all the locks clicked back into place. There was barely room for the man to fit inside, as it seemed that every resident of the village was there. Each of their faces was either set in an expression of grim foreboding, or barely concealed panic. Large garlands of garlic were tied up along the ceiling beams throughout, like a ludicrous form of bunting. Having a party? the man in white asked. The woman scowled and pointed a stubby finger in his face. Don't get smart with me. You're in my place, so you'll show me some respect. And you're not so tall as I can't give you a good slap. The man in white grinned. Duly noted. You'll be wanting some food, I imagine. Uh, no, thank you. But if you had some wine, I'd be grateful. The old lady called for a young, terrified-looking woman standing close to the bar and ordered her to bring a bottle and a glass for the man in white. The girl meekly nodded her head and rushed to oblige the request. Thank you. And thank you for taking me in. It's very generous. You didn't give us any choice, the woman replied sternly. Fancy wandering around out there tonight of all nights. Do you have a death wish? She tutted and shook her head repeatedly. The man in the white suit looked quizzically at her. That's the second time you've said that. What do you mean by it? You mean you don't know what today is, said a thin-looking man stood next to the old woman. Is there a reason I should? The man in white asked him. The thin man gestured for the new arrival to follow him towards a nearby window. Using a claw hammer, he pulled back a wooden plank and gestured outside. There. You see it? The man in white strode to the window and peeked out. He squinted through the darkening light to make out the form of anything, before his eyes eventually settled on what he supposed the man had been gesturing to. I see a castle, a little further up the mountain. He turned to the pale and frightened faces of the visitors within. Is this what you're afraid of? He asked, with more than a trace of condescension in his tone. The old landlord shuffled toward him once more. Tis the devil's night, she said. That is Castle Lee. The thing that lives there? Tis an ungodly creature. And on this night, every year, he comes down to feed. Once the sun sets, he prowls through our village, 
snatching us from our beds to gorge himself on our blood. Some he eats here, the thin man offered, and leaves their bodies for their families to find. Others he takes back with him. He keeps them locked away in that terrible castle to sustain himself throughout the year, feeding on them slowly. The woman was nodding, as were some of the other guests. Tonight, we decided no more. We'll all stay here to protect one another. We have our steaks, our garlic, and our talismans. He shan't be stepping foot in here this evening. She placed both hands on her hips. A few of the others nodded their agreement. The man in the white suit considered both of the speakers, and then the faces of the others gathered around him, before letting out a chuckle. So you're all here because you're afraid there's a vampire in your midst. The suited man tried to stifle another laugh, but it would not be suppressed. The old landlady's face turned scarlet with rage. Forgive me, the man continued, but surely you cannot believe in these old superstitions. This is absurd. Every year it comes, the old woman shouted. Every year it kills. You're telling me you don't believe us? In the killing? I entirely believe you on that front. Can I believe that you're in here huddling from some slumbering monster that lives in a drafty old castle and can be fended off by the sight of some garlic flowers? That is simply ridiculous. At this, the man noticed the scared young woman from earlier had placed the bottle of wine he had requested on a nearby table, along with a glass, and he thanked her and took a seat. How dare you! You are a stranger here! You know nothing of our lives or what we deal with. The old woman's scowl looked fit to groove a divot into her forehead. Maybe not, but I can see enough to get a good understanding of what it might be like. I fear civilization has mostly forgotten about this place, so you still find every shadowy corner steeped in superstition and mystery. It might make for excellent tales. He broke off a piece of the garlic bulb above him. But I can assure you that this is not going to fend off so much as a mosquito. The thin man stepped to the landlady's side, as indignant, but not as angry as her. We have learned from our ancestors, the same ones who built this town and faced off all the evils within it when they founded our village. We learn from our history. Garlic is, and always has been, protection to ward off him and others of his kind. My friend, the suited man began, eat enough of this, and I'm sure it will ward everyone in this room away from you. And he placed the piece of garlic on the table beside him, then poured his wine. The old woman stared at him, breathing hard. You come into my tavern, drink my wine, and then have the nerve to ridicule us as if we were nothing more than children, believing in old wives' tales. But you haven't seen the bodies of your friends and neighbours, or the screams of their wives, brothers and husbands. From somewhere further off, someone the man in white couldn't see shouted, Throw him out! And a few others murmured their agreement. The man considered the freshly poured glass in his hand for a moment, 
before placing it back down on the table, untouched, then turned to the woman. Very well. I shall not drink your wine until you are satisfied with either my argument or my reasoning for believing so, or until you have managed to convince me of your way of thinking. The old woman eyed this new gesture with even more suspicion than before. With this in mind, I suppose my first question would be, if you all know what this monster does and where he lives, why have none of you simply stormed the castle and slain the thing? You clearly know how to do it, he said, pointing to the table of stakes. The thin man spoke once again. We have tried. The castle is bewitched. Whenever we can find men brave enough to rise up against it, we can't get through the gates. Once, when I was a young man, someone managed to get through. He ran across the courtyard and into the castle itself. He said it was empty, but he could hear things all around him. Sometimes so close, they could have been touching him, but he saw nothing. Then there were the cries of those that had been taken. He searched everywhere, but that place is like a maze. He ran around for hours, getting no closer to any prisoners, nor seeing another thing within. He was lucky to have gotten out of there without getting lost in the labyrinth. We've even tried to burn it down. But each time, the flames are put out as soon as they start to build. It's a dark magic of some sort. The man in white's eyes narrowed. But the man you spoke of saw no one? Nothing at all. There was a clear shuffle from several of the nearby villagers who had started to gather to hear the thin man's story. Have any of you seen this creature? None of the villagers spoke, except a few who mumbled their shoes. No one alive, came a meek voice. The man in white turned and saw the timid-looking young woman anxiously fiddling with the empty tray in her hands. Mira was raised by her grandmother, the tavern owner explained. She was taken two years ago. By it. The man in white nodded sympathetically. I'm sorry for your loss. Mira nodded in return. But the next night, I saw lights up there, she said. And last year too. It takes our people up there and... Prepares them. Prepares them, the man said. Like in the castle kitchen. Maybe he's packing a picnic. There were a few gasps from the crowd at this. Now more than one voice called for the landlord to throw him out. Mira looked down at the floor and bit back tears. I'm truly sorry if I've offended, the man said. But please, try and see things from my side. There's nothing you've told me here that can't be explained in some way. You've told me of the delusions of one man who heard things he was expecting to hear when he was trapped in a place that you have given too much fear and attention. You've told me of lights in an abandoned castle that may just be travellers or passers-by seeking shelter on their way through. Even the killings! Animals have been known to hunt consistently at specific points in the seasons, 
Or maybe these murders are the actions of one of your own. Maybe someone is simply using the story of this vampire to cover their tracks and avoid suspicion. And that, to me, is a far more terrifying prospect than any monster conjured by centuries-old folklore. I've travelled all over the world, many times. In the last twelve months alone, I've seen all sorts of things. Beautiful and wretched. Rich and poor, big and small. I've seen churches as big as palaces. And new technologies that will bring the world into an age of unimaginable modern wonders. Do you know there are plenty of countries now that have motorized cars? Electricity? We've broken into the 20th century, and you're all still here sitting with candles and whispering myths into the firelight. The thin man slammed his fist against the table. Who even are you? What gives you the right to come into our village and disrespect us so? As if we were just idiot simpletons afraid of our own shadows. We know what is happening here. And what has been happening here for longer than all of us have been alive. Why should we even be listening to you? The man in white held up his hands and shrugged. Of course, you don't need to listen to me. I have simply been making conversation with new friends. It's not my intention to anger up the blood. I'm not even trying to say you're wrong, merely pointing out how, in this day and age, people will struggle to believe you. This did little to appease the gathered crowd, but they were all brought to an abrupt silence by the sound of a horse braying somewhere outside. The devil's upon us, the landlady whispered. A few people gathered around the windows, staring through the gaps in the planks to see if they could spot the horse or what it was responding to. But night had now fully fallen, and nothing could be seen through the veil of darkness. Has our guest of honor arrived? The man in white chuckled. What do we do when he gets here? Stakes at the ready? The old woman turned to him again. There will be no need. We have the garlic the stakes, and everything we need to protect ourselves if we have to. We are safe here. He can't step inside without being invited. Hmm. Not to mention get through all those locks, the man in white said. The thin man gestured at the two of them to be quiet, then pointed out of the window and then to his own ear. Ah, I see, the man in white said. No one was paying any attention to him now. They were fixated on the windows and listening intently to every sound they could make out from outside. Well, I know that I didn't decisively win our wager, but seeing as though the conversation seems to be at an end, I think I've earned my drink now. The old woman waved him away. She no longer cared what the man did. Her attention was with the others. But I feel I should thank you once again, the man continued. For the drink, the company, the conversation, and for inviting me in. The old lady's scowl disappeared, and her eyes widened. She turned once more to the man in white, who smiled graciously at her. 
revealing the flash of sharp, white teeth. Then she screamed. This story was written and read by Andrew Bate, with music also by Andrew Bate. Penny Dreadfuls from the Moth Sanctuary is an audiobook series by Moth Sanctuary Productions. You can subscribe to the series on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and YouTube. Follow Moth Sanctuary Productions on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or for more dark delights, visit mothsanctuaryproductions.com. <laughs>